Blog Talk Radio. gentlemen and welcome to the 598th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team and other fabulous moments to get your daily reading from me and other writers over at either Beyond the 90 uh, at Substack.com or Red Bull News Network. But as always this show will discuss American soccer as a whole. Come on in. The chat room is open. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. And now, League's Cup is over. League's Cup is done. It is over with. We have our first champion in this inaugural version of the League's Cup as uh, Lionel Messi and Inter-Miami win the tournament. Uh, Nashville SC finishes in second, and Philadelphia Union ends it in the third place match in third. So for Inter-Miami, they will go constraight to the round of 16 draw. For, uh, for Nashville and for Philadelphia, they will go directly to the first round draw along with the Vancouver Whitecaps from Canada and the rest of the Mexican field with the exception of, I believe, Pachuca. So that... At the moment, maybe that has not been um, announced uh, who will take that top spot in Liga MX for the best point total uh, and the round of 16 position. But we will find out when we get to that level. Uh, apologies for the last show. I thought uh, England and Australia in the Women's World Cup was the final. It was not. England uh, did defeat Australia to go and advance into the final. And they took on Spain, which they lost 1-0. So if I jinxed the English, I apologize. I've been under the weather for a little bit, so I was a little disoriented. My fault, my bad. I'll take uh, the loss, and uh, I'll take the blame, and I'm sorry about that. Go ahead and talk about the League's Cup now. Now, obviously, I did not cover the tournament here on the show, because why? Because I felt this was an interference. I felt that the League's Cup was basically a tournament that should never have been created in the first place. Basically, Superliga times two. But when CONCACAF was basically forced to accept this tournament to become a part of the soccer landscape by Commissioner Don Garber, because the truth of the matter is, this is not a CONCACAF idea. It is a MLS idea. This is a Don Garber idea. I did not appreciate it. Now, I will admit, I give credit to the clubs in MLS and in Liga MX for taking this tournament seriously. I, I give them full marks that they did what they had to do. But at the end of the day, you could see the problems with this tournament. And not just weather-related issues, but 
of course, the flight issues, the current situations that we're having with uh, our airline systems uh, at the airports, teams being delayed, not allowed to fly to their next destination, whether it be an MLS club or a Liga MX club. And, of course, all these games are being played here in the United States and Canada. And, of course, scheduling conflictions as well. And not just that. The feeling of inconveniencing the soccer calendars of the United States and Mexico. Because even though for Mexico they're just getting underway in their apertura season, the truth is it, this whole thing is still a farce. All for the ego of Don Garber trying to make his ideas look great. And let me just say this. Yes, we are lucky to have Lionel Messi come to Major League Soccer. But the truth is, he did not play any MLS matches. These are designated as League's Cup matches. So he has not played an official MLS match. He did play against MLS teams, but he did not play an official Major League Soccer match. These points did not count to the Eastern Conference table, nor did they count towards the Supporter Shield table. So we can say whatever we want, how great this tournament was. At the same time, was it really that great when you've got clubs who were probably eliminated after the group stage that they didn't play for a good three weeks, maybe even more than that, before August the 20th came over, which was this past Sunday, killing off any flow coming back into the regular season. For some clubs, they took their time, and they were able to go out and roar it. For some clubs, it had to take them those 90 minutes to get back to where they were. And we already have an injury Dante Von Zier, possible right leg hamstring uh, injury. He tried to give it a go after he went down on his own, but then he had to be subbed out because he couldn't do it anymore. The interference of this tournament and the stroking of the ego of Major League Soccer Commissioner Don Garber once again, interfering with the natural order of a regular season and a American soccer duping the president of Liga MX as well as those clubs in Liga MX to be a part of this. Don Garber trying to say, well, you know, we're, this is not a CONCACAF event. We're not going to play these games anywhere else, just in Major League Soccer. There are complaints from the Liga MX side 
from some clubs. They feel it's not fair. Why does it have to be played all the time here in the United States or at least in both the U.S. and Canada in this part of North America in the North Zone? Because that is the nature of this idea. It was done by Don Garber. It is by far an MLS tournament in reality. And therefore, MLS makes the rules. Oh, it may bear CONCACAF's name, but this truly reeks of Don Garber and his idea of creating a North American Super League. Call it what you want. You can deny it all you want. This is definition of a Super League, even though it is considered a mini. And all I can tell you folks is this. This is ruining the natural order of how this sport should be played. Forget about promotion relegation right now. You have this interference. No matter how long Messi will continue to play in Major League Soccer until the day he is retired from the game as a whole, those crowds will not continue on. And it will go back to status quo. That's the truth. An interesting article from Simon Evans from Yahoo Sports. When you talk to Commissioner Don Garber about, well, are we going to see any of these League's Cup games being played on Mexican soil? (laughs) Absolutely not. Of course not. Why would it be fair? It wouldn't be fair. You know, Don Garber, and this is the fault as well with the situation that is going on here in our country sometimes. Um, But let me just say this. He's expecting the... Mexican soccer fans, the Mexican-Americans who live in the United States, who continue to support their clubs from Mexico to fill up the stadiums to watch their clubs play MLS clubs or their own clubs as well or their respective rivals in Liga MX, you know, That's why this idea came up big. That's why he wanted to do Superliga at first. Forcing these teams from Mexico, these club teams, to travel and be basically the soccer vagabonds. And this is why this is also a failure. I mean, maybe one year, maybe next year. Liga MX teams will probably claim the three spots. Monterey tried the loss to the Union in the third place match. But still, though, if this was a true CONCACAF competition, it would be so much different. This is all underdone. Just CONCACAF had to throw their two cents in saying, Well, if that's the case, then we need to have officials from 
the entire region of CONCACAF to officiate these matches. That's fine. Just as long as this league's cup remains uh, viable for both Major League Soccer and Liga MX clubs. That's the sadness of it. So don't expect anytime soon. Even though Don Garber will probably say, well, we'll look into it in the future. Ten to one, it ain't going to happen. The games were great. Without a doubt, the League's Cup games were fun to watch. But overall, it is still a dramatic failure because this idea was allowed to breathe. And this idea was forced down the throats of CONCACAF. Now, the Inter-America Cup is coming back. And they are saying that the League Cup winner, the CONCACAF Champions Cup winner, the Copa Libertadores and the Sudamericano winners will be battling it out to decide who are the champions of the Americas. And I think that's great. But in reality, I wish CONCACAF would bring back the CONCACAF League so that we can have that champion joining the Champions Cup winner with the Libertadores and the Sudamericana champions. Because that, my friends, is what would make more sense. If you still want League's Cup to be called a name, then we need to designate club teams from Central America and the Caribbean to be a part of this. But they already have their own specific club cup tournaments designated by CONCACAF to enter the CONCACAF Champions League, uh, CONCACAF Champions Cup, excuse me. It's getting more complicated and more complicated by the year, by the months, by the days. Because if it's not done by Don Garber, then I don't know who is going to get done by. It's wrong. Even though they, the games were great, the truth is, it was wrong. It was not the thing to do. And we're going to pay for it at the end of it. You watch. Great show for you tonight. It is an open cup week across America and around the world. My first guest tonight from World Soccer Talk, Robert Hay, as we talk about the U.S. Open Cup semifinals and the amazing broadcast platforms, it will now be shown to all of us here in the United States and around the world. Uh, Robert, good evening. Welcome back. Uh, we get to talk to have uh, we get to talk about a lot of fun here with the Open Cup coming up, as uh, an amazing time. Even though Lionel Messi has joined Major League Soccer in Miami. We'll be taking on FC Cincinnati TQL Stadium in the first of two semifinals. And then, of course, the Houston Dynamo hosting Real Salt Lake in the second semifinal. But once again, Robert, these broadcasting platforms, digital, uh, linear, the Open Cup is now in a special place I never thought I would see. Yeah. Daniel, thanks for having me on tonight, and uh, you know I'm looking forward to talking about this. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I always think about when um, you would do your opening round of Open Cup uh, matches and do kind of the whip around your own little version of a whip around show, and 
I had the privilege of joining you one time, and uh, it was just uh, crazy because it was um, just you know trying to grab feeds and and you know like watching these these uh, the best we could you know videos being projected. And now we're talking about like you said, there's multiple ways to watch these semifinals coming up. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about this. It benefits um, U.S. soccer and, uh, in this case, MLS, to really kind of put forward their, these properties as many ways as possible. But just the creativity and ways that you can watch these semifinals coming up is really impressive uh, and really exciting. And um, I know, you know, leading up into the show today, I was thinking about like, oh, which, you know, which ways do I want to watch, um, and which ways do I think I'm going to be to log in? Because even, you know, I myself. Have, uh, does not subscribe to all of these services, has multiple ways to watch, and I have choices in terms of who I want to hear and how I want to see the matches. No, absolutely. And, you know, first of all, I want to give CBS Sports a ton of credit here because when they joined in with Bleacher Report and Turner to broadcast some of these Open Cup games, I was thinking to myself, this is absolutely fantastic. And look, ESPN, I want to right off the bat say when they were the ones broadcasting every single match of every single round, you know, I give them credit for doing what they had to do, even though I felt many felt the final should have been on at least either ESPN or ESPN two. It didn't happen. It remained on ESPN plus that's fine, but they did do a fantastic job of broadcasting the, all the games of every round, but that's the hope I'm having for the future for the Open Cup next year. But let's just stick to now. You can watch the CBS Sports Galazzo Network live and free on the Pluto TV app or the Pluto TV website, Robert. That is just amazing mm-hmm. within itself. Yeah, and we didn't prep this in advance, but I, I was had circled Pluto TV on my uh, on my notes here because I, I personally love Pluto TV. I love flipping through and seeing it. And one of the big benefits of having that available to you is to be able to see the Galazzo Network, uh, among others. And, yeah, it's just crazy to think about that. Anybody that's sitting there going, well, I want to see Lionel Messi's into Miami, um, you don't have to pay anything. You just have to go to um, – you know, Pluto TV or the Galazzo website, or, you know, if you're a Paramount Plus subscriber for English to, to pull it up. I think it really um, benefits this competition to have it on a a um, platform like Galazzo, which is, like I said, available in mo- many different ways. You know, you can watch it, whether you have a streaming device or, or streaming, you know, uh, something that streams to your television, or you can watch it on a mobile device, whatever. Um, but it makes it so convenient, and it makes it so friendly to the consumer where you can just, you know, wherever you are, however you're, you know, wherever you're commuting home from work, um, hopefully not driving, um, you know, sitting at home, sitting at work, uh, whatever it may be, um, just be able to pull up the match and watch it. Um, And and I think that's great. And um, I personally have always, you know, since it debuted in what April, I've been a huge fan of the Glaza Network. I think it's great. has you know, features some wonderful voices, some good content overall. As an Italian soccer fan, it's, uh, you know, something to definitely watch and something to enjoy. But um, really, I think this match, or these two matches, I should say, are an opportunity to kind of put a, a spotlight on the value that Colazzo brings and just how accessible it is and the content is to, you know, soccer viewers everywhere. And so, um I'm glad that it is so available. I will probably – that's probably my preferred way of watching 
at least the Houston Real Salt Lake match. Um, since I, w- I won't be able to watch the other one live, but yeah, I think it's a brilliant, you know, it's a brilliant way that since Paramount has unveiled this network, they've really done a good job of putting content on there, putting the right content on there and kind of spotlighting it uh, as in positioning themselves as like a soccer smart network and uh, certainly been a key to it. And I'm, I think it's really good to have these matches on there. It really is. And, you know, once again, as I've, we've said, you can watch the CBS Sports Galazzo Network either live and free on Pluto TV's app or website, or you can go to the Paramount Plus app and you can go to the sports section. You can watch the Galazzo Network through the Paramount Plus app as well. But it's not just English language, Robert, that we're going to have both the semifinals and the final being broadcast, which will also be on the final, the CBS Sports Network channel, which is even Amazing, also on the Paramount Plus app as well. Now Spanish-language television will be showing both semifinals and the final as well. NBC Sports' Spanish commentary uh, language channel Telemundo and Universo will show the matches on regular television, also on the Peacock app through NBC. Uh, This blew my mind. I could not believe we are actually going to witness Open Cup semifinal and final action, not just English language, but Spanish language as well. This is just unreal what we are going to witness this coming Wednesday night. Yeah, and it's great that we have the Spanish language broadcasts are going to be on there, and it's smart that it's you know put on both Telemundo and Universo. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's available through both of those uh, brands. But, yeah, I think just the fact that we have the, the two language options is great. It speaks a lot for the U.S. Uh, Open Cup and I think is a really nice option that should have been there a long time ago. Um, probably couldn't be for obvious reasons, but really is long overdue. Um, you know, you mentioned something interesting. Again, the accessibility. Uh, if you're one of the, I think it's 48% of people in this country that have cable, um, these matches are accessible through your cable most likely. Uh, you probably do get either a Telemundo or Universo within your package if you have anything more than just the most basic package. Or if you're one of those people who subscribes to Peacock for the Premier League, and I think this is particularly good um, for Peacock, you know, probably the number one or the property um, they have is the English Premier League. Well, you know, you also have the ability to watch the Open Cup through there. And so you know, it's a nice opportunity for Peacock to grab some more subscribers or to highlight the fact that um, it's got more than just um, the Premier League on there and, you know, should the diversity of content. So uh, my, my guess is they're going to get um, some additional streams, however they, you know, get those metrics and eyeballs or whatever, um, on a night where they normally wouldn't get as many uh, soccer fans, uh, prop- or, you know, congregating on the, the stream. But, um, again... It's the options is really what we want to drive home tonight. It's the options in language. It's the options in way to view, mobile device, television streaming, uh, cable TV. Um, you know, it's just any way that you can watch sports, you probably have access to. Uh, in fact, you most definitely have access to these two matches in the final. And I think that's a compliment to U.S. soccer and to their partners to really make these matches available. Of course, it doesn't hurt that the star power is out. We know, uh, obviously, Inter-Miami is, is the hottest property in U.S. soccer right now. Um, but I think it's also a good way to highlight these other three clubs. Um, you know you know me, Daniel. You know my um, affinity for Ben Olsen and, you know, the, the 
you know, that story is there and the, you know, the history behind Rialto Lake and, and how FC Cincinnati's come onto the scene. Um, so it's going to be a great opportunity for um, MLS, even though this isn't an MLS competition, to kind of highlight some different brands and to show these audiences, you know, the passion behind these brands, you know, in the, the, the home stadiums and then also some of their history and some of their uh, talents that they have. So just a win-win overall here for this week for soccer in this country. Absolutely. It is a major win. And let me tell you something right now, Robert. Um, I was happy originally with CBS Sports. This is like before Messi even transferred over to MLS from PSG. You know, this was already in the works through CBS Sports to have both the semis and the final on their network because it sounds like uh, Turner, who is the official broadcaster for U.S. soccer for both the men's and the women's teams, they decide to opt out out of it, which don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm happy for what they whatever they were able to do for the cup. I was happy with it, uh, especially showing um, the intro uh, footage before each and every game on their Bleach Report YouTube channel uh, on TNT mm-hmm. whenever they talked about the Open Cup. But my hope is that for CBS that they continue this and actually – to be a frank, I want them to broadcast every single match of every single round on their Paramount Plus platform, just like they're doing for the CONCACAF Nations League. I want every mm-hmm. match broadcasted on the Paramount Plus app because this cup, I feel, still has not deserved the respect it should have been given. ESPN, like I said, has done a great job with it. They did a good job, but there's still some circles that it doesn't deserve the respect that it should have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. It, you know, it, and we talked about this before. As, as a competition that's as old as it is, and you know, that brings together the history of soccer in this country with the the new, you know, new new clubs, new trends, new players, and things like that. I mean, this is a real connection to the past that I think a lot of times has been severed when MLS came onto the scene. And you know, one of the thing, nice things about Paramount is they do a really good job with. Sports. I mean, anybody who's an NFL fan or a college sports fan knows that the, the CBS Paramount um, commitment to sports is really good. They do a good job of putting on different sports. Um, but I think for the soccer realm, I mean, if you look at Serie A, you look at NWSL, um, there's a lot of innovation and there's a lot of commitment to doing things right and to really putting smart people on there to give smart opinions. Um, you know, one other thing that Paramount Plus is doing is they have their U.S. Open Cup Star Cam, so you can watch the Star Cam, um, which is exactly you know what you think it is. Um, if you have any doubts, there's Lionel Messi on the uh, cover of the Star Cam feed. Um, you know, but they they have the ability to do creative things or fun things with um, their properties, and you know I, it's tough to do as we've said U.S. Open Cup coverage. I mean, there's so many matches all over the place, different capabilities of streaming, although. Um, Again, the internet is making things a lot easier than it had been in the past. Um, so it's hard to, you know, to give the same quality as you, you see in these matches to the early rounds or the opening rounds. But, again, with technology leveling things and the commitment by these parent companies to try and be creative, I mean, there's an opportunity there with U.S. Open Cup to do some fun things, you know, do fan uh, broadcasts, do um, just, you know, various things and experiment and see what works and then, you know, almost like, you know, baseball does in the minor leagues, you know, where you experiment with rules or, or different things and then try them in the majors, you know, let let the U.S. Open Cup be a place to try fun experimental things with your broadcast 
and see what sticks, and then you can bring that up to the other leagues and, and innovate that way. So, you know, my hope is that they continue to really give some love to uh, to this competition, do some innovation, and, uh, you know, make the U.S. Open Cup really a, a premier competition because um, it deserves to be. And uh, that's not always the case in soccer-loving countries that the, the domestic cup gets the uh, gets to be something special anymore. And uh, already spilling the beans is your favorite messy lover in mine, that Jordy. Uh, Ray Hudson and Dre Cor- Cordero will be calling the first semifinal between Cincinnati and Miami on CBS Sports Galazzo Network. We don't know who the second broadcast team will be, but we already know through Ray Hudson on his Twitter. He just said him and Dre Cordero will be calling the Open Cup match involving Lionel Messi into Miami as they will travel to uh, the Queen City in Cincinnati, Ohio, Robert. I mean, you can't get a better pairing than that, I don't think. It's going to be hard. And I, I mean, you may just want to tune in just to hear the the broadcast of that match. It's going to be epic, and I'm glad that they were able to pull together that team because those are two really class professionals. And um, I think it's the perfect combination of star power and star power in the booth to to kick off that match. Absolutely. Uh, so you're going to be watching on Golazo. You're going to be watching on Universo and uh, Telemundo. Uh, give me your predictions, Robert. Do we have Messi in another American Cup final in the U.S. Open Cup, and who will they play against? Oh, uh, you know, it's I'm I'm so bad with predictions. I mean, it's hard to pick against Messi mania at this point. I mean. You know, it's it's. I think that everybody's rooting for. Certainly, everybody in the U.S. soccer is rooting for for Miami to make the final, and so I'll, I'll go along with that. Um, and then on the other side, maybe it's just my heartstrings. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll have Houston advance as well to face Miami, and then you know what? We'll have Houston pull the upset in the final. Um, don't hold me into anything, but those are my loose predictions. Uh, they're not that bad. You usually do a good job. <laughs> Thank you. There's very little analysis, a lot of uh, emotion on this one. So, Nope, absolutely. So we'll see what happens, uh, obviously, this coming Wednesday night. Once again, your preference, if you want English language, CBS Sports Galazzo Network, as well as Paramount Plus app. If you prefer the Spanish language, Telemundo for the first match, Universal for the second match, Peacock for both, representing NBC. Robert, thank you again, and I will talk to you soon. Take care, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. That's Robert Hay from World Soccer Talk. And, of course, we continue on with World Soccer Talk uh, guests. Uh, Join me now, Carter Krishnire, on the uh, deletion of two important people from the U.S. women's national team. Vlatko uh, Andonovsky uh, stepped down as head coach of the U.S. women's national team after being eliminated in the Women's World Cup. And Kate Markgraf also stepping down as general manager of the U.S. women's national team. Once again, Kardik Krishnar from World Soccer Talk. Kardik, it's not really surprising. Uh, this is an ultimate failure that is now complete because of these two people now leaving U.S. soccer after what we can definitely call an embarrassment of uh, just not good football from our women. Yeah, uh, obviously a poor, poor tournament tournament. Uh, uh, we have a couple. We have some more perspective on this now, right? It's been two weeks since we were eliminated. Uh, obviously, uh, the tournament went on, and, and we saw, uh, quite frankly, some sides play much better football than we did. Uh, get to the final, and, and Spain uh, uh, win that final. And uh, it's it's extremely disappointing in the sense that uh, 
I think we we had a lot of good fortune actually in in the the, the last two World Cups. And if you actually look, uh, Henry Bushnell has a great uh, column today at Yahoo Sports where he broke down. And I've said this to people about that 2015 to 2019 period. We won both World Cups as bookends, but in between we were very shaky. We lost in she believes on home soil to France, lost to England on she believes on home soil. So there were cracks already. And um, Kate Margraff is someone I have a lot of respect for. I really like. I think she's really good at this, uh, at understanding the sport. I think she understood the direction the women's game was going in terms of more technical players uh, and and uh, and in terms of tactical shape and, and high pressing and the things we saw in this World Cup that we have seen the men's game for some time uh, now. Uh, really, the last seven to eight, ten years we've seen in the men's game. Uh, now we're really seeing in the women's game. I, I think she knew when she took the job in 2019 after that World Cup that the U.S. had to evolve its style of play in order to continue to be the world leader. Now, unfortunately, um, and, I, and I think uh, Mark Graff looked at Spain and the Netherlands as the two countries to emulate in terms of style of play, even though uh, arrogantly a lot of people who follow uh, U.S. soccer say, well, we beat both those countries in the last World Cup, right? We beat Spain, Spain in the round of 16 and beat the Dutch in the final. So why do we need to emulate that? But I think she understood stylistically, uh, they had a leg up on us, those two countries. And obviously, we saw their success uh, in this World Cup, both those countries. Uh, in, in fact, if the Dutch had beaten the Spanish in that game, I think they would have gone on to win the World Cup. I think those were probably the two best teams, uh, in my opinion. And Japan, throw Japan in there also. Um, but um, unfortunately, she made the decision to hire Vlad Andonovsky, who I think had some good ideas about high-pressing, and um, maybe some stylistic changes, but I don't think, given what Kate Markgraf wanted to evolve the U.S. into, he was the right choice. And I also think he was too loyal, um, owing owing it to him being an NWSL coach. Uh, and this is something that I think is a is, is a serious discussion point, right? We hear a lot of conspiracy theories, which are nonsense, from people who follow the men's national team, uh, saying, well. Greg Berhalter is forced to pick MLS guy, Klinsman, you know, Bradley, they're forced to pick MLS guys. That's all nonsense. But I do think on the women's side, because, again, we won a lot of World Cups. We, we, we think of ourselves as the world leaders. We're, we're the Brazil of the of – the, what Brazil is on the men's side, we are on the women's side. Um, we feel like uh, we have some sort of ownership of this situation, and our league is superior, which I don't think it is anymore. I think NWSL is a big talking point coming out of this World Cup, in my opinion. But – Vlatko Andonovsky was too loyal to NWSL players and was too loyal to veteran players and too loyal to some players he had coached at the club level. Um, so that, I think, ultimately, I've given you a, a two- or three-minute defense to open, Daniel. I've given you a two- or three-minute defense of Kate Markgraf. Um, but ultimately, Vlatko was her decision. She made the decision to stick with him after we failed in the Olympics. And, um, yeah. So uh, she's walked away, and, and Vlatko's walked away. And, and, I, and I'm sure Vlatko will have a job in NWSL in short order. I, I think he'll probably get the Kansas City job, right? Um, that, mm-hmm. uh, that, and if he doesn't get that, he'll get another job in the league. But uh, in terms of Mark Graff, I don't know where she goes from here. Maybe goes back into commentary. I love her ideas about the game. I love her, the way she, she views football. 
I, I just wish this had worked out because I thought she was the right person. I still think she was the right person. She just got one decision really wrong. You know, I, I'm going to uh, excuse that one decision that she got wrong because I'm not blaming this on her at all. Uh, the failure, of course, is who is above her that did not execute the ideas that she had that she knew the women's team had to evolve. Whose fault is it and whose problem is it that lies on their feet? There's only one person and one person only. And I have to say it, it is Cindy Parlo Cohn. I'm sorry. And it's not just her. It's also JT Batson. It is also uh, Crocker. I'm sorry. It is their fault. They chose not to listen. No one wanted to listen to her and t- take her advice because if if you're hiring someone and the truth is the U.S. women's national team does not need a general manager just like the men does not need a general manager. But if you have people who are scouting and basically that's all she was in reality, she was just the head yes. scout. Yes. If you have a if you have a scouting room, a the scouting department watching what other nations are doing to improve their play and why they're going to be the next it, the next major national team to dominate the game, whether it be the men's game or the women's game, it should not matter. If Cake Markgraf says to Cindy Parlocone, we got to change things up. We got to change things up here because I'm telling you right now, Portugal, Spain, England, they're getting better. They're improving. They're improving 10 million times faster than we are right now. Our three-peat is in major jeopardy. What does Cindy Parlo Cohn say? What does Matt Crocker say? What does JT Batson say? Nah, we'll just stick with the way it's always been working. So... Yeah, you, you know, reality, uh, Daniel, this whole – oh, I, sorry. I was going to say this goes back to this whole subject of general managers. You've been on the cutting edge of this. You've been right about this for four years or five years whenever they uh, implemented this general manager program. They have put a general manager in place. Brian McBride on the men's side, he's gone now. Kate Markgraf on the women's side, uh, she's gone now. Two famous players, two popular former players who both um, – have a a broader understanding of world football than the people running the federation. They have put them in there in order to inoculate themselves from criticism. It's kind of a scam, this whole general manager thing, as I think you've identified. So let's 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 get back to this. We were saying it. I I have a lot of concerns about Matt Crocker being hired as the sporting director, and I think that that. Uh, that, 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 that bothers me, but then, you know, I think a lot of this other stuff has to be addressed. Our, our failure to qualify uh, in some youth tournaments and the, and the youth tournaments we do qualify for doing very poorly. Um, it's not a coincidence. Uh, Julie Foundy uh, uh, tweeted this. I saw it. Uh, she, to her, and she's, and she, she's been cri- increasingly critical of the U.S. program in recent years, and when Julie Foundy has criticized uh, some of the things going on, I've heard people 
tell me privately, oh, well, she's not really in the scene anymore, and, you know, she's just being very critical because uh, she doesn't know what's actually going on in NWSL. And, and I, 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 I found that ridiculous when people were pushing back saying that. And now I, I think everything she said has proven to be true, right? And she's made the point about the youth uh, situation for several years. Um, unfortunately, ESPN doesn't show the World Cup anymore, and it's on Fox, so she's not part of the broadcast, right? That, that's been part of the problem, and Fox hires people that, that, that don't make these points. But um, it, it, Spain Harley and Lloyd Japan did. have been the – yeah, Harley Lloyd did make some good points. That's true. Uh, Spain and Japan have been the two best countries at the youth level, and they were the two best teams in this World Cup, okay? And the U.S. has gradually – gotten uh, weaker and weaker at the youth level. Now, we saw some good signs uh, uh, from some players in this tournament, um, but uh, Naomi Gurma in particular, young player, obviously was the, the number one draft pick in NWSL a year ago. But really, I mean, this, this has been coming for some time. I mean, you can't continue to win World Cups at the senior level when you're getting bounced out in the group stage at the youth level at every tournament. Right? I mean, eventually your youth players are going to be your senior players, and they're clearly not as good unless there's some massive up- upswing in their performances between the ages of 21 and 24, uh, while all the other countries that are advancing further than you regress. And we've seen this at the men's side, too, right? When the U.S. stopped qualifying for Olympics, that generation is the generation that then missed the World Cup for us. We've seen it when the, the, the U.S. missed an under-20 World Cup. That's fed directly into missing the World Cup in qualifying. Now, now that we're doing better again at the U20 level, we're doing better again at the senior level. And it's just like that on the women's side. For people who don't follow the women's team as closely as they follow the men's team. And people wanted to be in denial because we were continuing to win at the senior level that the youth level didn't matter. And suddenly we were going from winning youth tournaments to then losing in the knockout stage, to then losing in the group stage. That's been the mo- most recent U20 World Cups. We've been knocked out in the group stage. So um, it, it's, um, it, it, there is a major culture problem now. And I think, um, Daniel, as we talked about before, so much of this revolves around what youth soccer has become in this country. Um, our friend Bo Dorr, I thought, wrote a very good, uh, good piece for The Guardian after the U.S. elimination. Um, which uh, read that uh, the, the, the U.S. Uh, uh, US women were victims of rampant capitalism because all it is about now is making money off of, off of young girls, uh, having their parents pay thousands and thousands of dollars for them to go to elite academies. That's the problem right there. Once again, the whole pay-to-play situation. And until that gets uh, dissolved, it's still going to happen no matter what, Cardick, because the problem is is that U.S. soccer, once again, where are the funds coming from? Where do they make their money? How are they going to continue with these programs? Or at least the, uh, the appearance of keeping up with these programs. What is going on? What are we doing here? What is the issue now? Because obviously the whole – uh, pandemic situation really hampered their uh, their ability to make money here and there, which I understand. But still, though, still, now that you got Lionel Messi here in MLS, now that you have Lionel Messi 
not just being broadcasted on CBS Sports, Scalazzo Network, through the Paramount Plus app, now NBC Spanish language channels in Telemundo, Universo, and the Peacock app uh, from NBC. I'm assuming U.S. soccer is already making a good load of money and, and you know, their signal being covered across the country, not just in Argentina, but around the world now. They must be getting a good amount of money now for their Open Cup matches. Yeah, I assume so. And, and this is the other thing. You know, Taylor Coleman said it. The day after we – or the night we didn't qualify for, for the World Cup uh, in, in, in 2010 – uh, 2017, that fateful day that you, you myself, and, and Robert, who, who you just had on, had, had this epic show. That very night, Taylor Twelman said, you know what U.S. soccer needs to do with their surplus? You know what they need to do with their money? Now they need to put their money into something very specific. And that specific thing is they need to put their money into funding scholarships to get rid of pay-to-play. That's what he said that night. Absolutely correct. That was the direction U.S. soccer needed to go at that time. They didn't. The situation has got – and then remember, uh, uh, two days later, we had a press conference with Sunil Gulati where he said that the, uh, the pay-to-play was like paying for piano lessons. I mean, you talk about an absolutely uh, 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 tone-deaf comment. And we just – the situation has gotten significantly worse since then. So I don't know. I mean, how, how do we get out of this? Is there any end in sight to this? No. No, there is no end. There's, there's, there is no end. There's no end in sight to this because the problem is, is this. Do we have real football people running this federation? Do we really? We're supposed to. I mean, Cindy Parlacone played the game. Isn't she supposed to be? I mean, I mean, what's going on with the Athletes Council? I mean, aren't they supposed to get well, well, okay, some so I will direction? Tell you, I will tell you. I will tell you specifically what's happening with Cindy Parlo Cohn in terms of this. Cindy Parlo Cohn works, you know, she's employed by one of those pay-to-play academies. And there's the rub. There's the rub. Um, it, 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 It all comes back to what the hell is going on in Chicago. What the hell is going on? And if they're upset at journalists and pundits criticizing them for anything and everything they do so that they will take away your precious credentials. Well, you know what? Take away as many credentials as you want because the truth is is this. It's not going to silence us. It's going to make us point the finger of blame more at them because they are not doing the job they're supposed to do. They're not going to like it. Well, guess what? If you fix the damn problems, then we'll praise you for it. Think about that, Kardec. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but, you know, these people, they, they seem to be uh, uh, dug into this. And, and uh, you know, we're seeing all these sorts of defenses again for a pay-to-play. I mean, it's absolutely they anticipated, and I, I get this. They probably all understand this now. So, so, so they anticipated our line of attack. They know where we're going to come from. So, uh, in anticipation of what people like you and I and Robert and others were going to say, there were all sorts of defenses of pay to play uh, that came out. Now, maybe it was also partly in reaction to, to Bo's article, which ran the day after the U.S. 
was eliminated, right? Bo, Bo Dora, as we said, mentioned, a uh, very, very good article. I would recommend people read it at The Guardian, uh, really pointing the finger at this whole system for the U.S.'s failure in this World Cup. But um, that's, um, that, that, that is uh, uh, the issue now. Pay-to-play is the issue. And, and youth soccer, right? I mean, I, you hear these people, these conspiracy theories, the pro-rel people say, oh, well, you know, the problem right now is because of, uh, um, because, of the, uh, uh, um, because of MLS and, and, uh, uh, and Don Garver, right? The Federation doesn't do anything. Well, yeah, Garver does have a little too much influence. This youth, uh, um, this, uh, excuse me, what, what, what was I? Uh, oh, the athlete, the, the athlete council and the Athletes pro council. police council are a problem. Yep. But I will tell you, youth soccer has as much control, if not more, over the direction of U.S. soccer. And they're all thrown in with the pay-to-play. And they do not want to see any change to that. No, no, they don't. And that's the shame of it because, you know, what was a dominating program for our women's team, our senior women's team, is now falling flat on their face. Look, you know this as well as I do. There's going to be ebbs and flows in world football. You know this. I know this. Everyone knows this. One day, it's going to happen that our women will not be the best in the world. But then one day, they can come back and become the best in the world once again. But is it because of you played your best, but it wasn't good enough? Or you assumed you're the best, and then you got trounced. That's the problem. Yeah, I, it's because you've allowed, you've been arrogant enough. You've sat on, uh, rested, we've rested on our laurels. We have um, not only, and, and, and in addition to resting on our laurels, we have time and again uh, had the arrogance to say, well, no one's as good as us. No one can touch us. And we can just make a lot of money off of this. And this is the thing that's really um, mind-blowing because I, I'm telling you, once again, Julie Saudi made critiques a couple of years ago. And, I, and, and there were multiple people who work in the women's game and are around the women's game who said, well, uh, it doesn't matter that she's one of our greatest uh, uh, legends of the game on, on both the men's and women's side, right? You know, she's, she, she is U.S. soccer. In many ways, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. She's really kind of out of touch with everything now. No, don't listen to what she's saying. And I remember telling one of these people, hey, it's Julie Fowley. She's going to say stuff. Oh, well, she wanted to be president of the Federation and uh, you know, all this kind of nonsense people were pushing back on. But she was, in fact, right. Which why I thought it was uh, interesting when right away she congratulated Spain and talked about the style of play and the youth level. And I, and I, I put out a tweet there saying, yeah, I, in fact, I first – uh, uh, really took an interest in what Spain was doing because Julie Fowdy mentioned it many years ago that she liked how they were developing their youth programs and she thought even though at the time there were a country that would lose in the group stage or the round of 16 of the World Cup that they might win a World Cup. They may be the ones to knock us off at some point and that's what's happened. So, um, you know, the former players are not even, um, I think, influencing this thing the way, they, the way you would think they would be able to. And keep in mind, okay, so Kate Markgraf, apparently um, was going to leave anyway after this World Cup, okay? Now, add that to additional point, which is that Brian McFly made the decision before the Men's World Cup that he was going to leave. He made that decision before the World Cup. And Ernie Stewart, while he stayed for the World Cup and had not made the decision 
before the World Cup was job was uh, was job shopping, right? He was he, he had himself on the market. He got the PSV job, and he hightailed out of here. So think about this: the former players that are then being hired by U.S. Soccer to inoculate the leadership and the board of the federation. It's also the board of the federation, a board that, as we talked about on a previous show, is very inexperienced and, and doesn't have quite the seasoning that some of the the, the previous boards did. Um, this idea of the general manager has been created to inoculate the leadership and the board uh, uh, from the responsibility when we fail. So McBride is there. We can blame him. Stewart's there. We can blame him. Margraf is there. We can blame her. And, um, and unfortunately, many fans do. They tur- they're turning around and saying, ah, oh, Brian McBride screwed things up. Kate Markgraf screwed things up. None of that is true. But this, is, this whole general manager thing, which, Daniel, I have to give you a lot of credit. You're, you're the guy who stepped up uh, five years ago when you created these positions, and you thought they were meaningless positions. And I, I, I kind of thought you were right, but I, I kind of I pushed back. I said, oh, we'll see. You know, this is good. Ernie Stewart, this is good. Kate Markgraf, these are, these are people I trust. They were used. They were all used, which I think is, is uh, the ultimate takeaway of how this federation operates. They're never going to make changes unless, some, for some reason, by virtue of a lawsuit or the legal system, they're forced to make changes. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all I can tell you, Cardick, is this. You know, I'm not here to tell how guys from ESPN FC or – uh, Sebastian Salazar or Hercules Gomez how to do their job. I'm not here to tell uh, Taylor Twelman how to do their job. I'm not here to tell uh, what Morning Footy does for CBS Sports Galazzo Network, even though they, everyone at CBS Sports Galazzo Network has done an excellent job covering the, you know, covering the, the game right now here in the U.S. with their shows. And CBS, CBS has done amazing work. But if we're not going to really call out the reality of some of these silly, stupid decisions by U.S. soccer of hiring a so-called general manager for the men's team, for the women's team, or not giving these people their opportunity to advance the game where it should go here in this country, we're going to fall flat on our face and what's going to happen is either we're going to qualify for the World Cup, get out of the group stage, get eliminated in the second round, or get eliminated in the group stage, or not qualify again for a World Cup. And as you've said, the pay-to-play situation with our youth teams, both the met boys and the girls, or the young men and the young women, all going to fall apart. And... They're not going to point the finger of blame at themselves. They're just going to continue to play blind man's bluff. And once again, they're just going to pretend that everything is all right. Everything's okay. Look, the dog is in the uh, house with the fire surrounding him at the table going, this is just fine. No, it's not just fine, Kardec. It's a problem. If they can't bring in better people, smart people, to govern the sport correctly, 
We are never going to win that little golden trophy. We will never, ever be respected in the world game period. Yeah, I think I think there are people around the world. I mean, I, I know this because I've gotten some inquiries from people in, 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 in Asia and in Europe the last uh, two weeks. Like, what's happened to the U.S.? Actually, it started before, started after the Vietnam game. People were contacting me like, well, what's happened? What, you know, what's What's going on? Is this just a one-off? Is it, you know, uh, uh, maybe there's some discord in the camp. Maybe uh, the players aren't getting along. Maybe it's just bad luck. It's a it's a flukish tournament. I was like, no, no, no. This is the rod. The rod has been coming, right? We had a head start in the women's game, which is why uh, all, all all the same problems we have on the men's side that people have talked about for years, we also have on the women's side. The thing was, we had such a head start in the women's game, no one saw it until now. It, 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 no one had caught up to us till now. But now, uh, I, I, my fear is countries are going to race away from us the same way they have in the men's game because it's the same problems caused by the same people with the same attitudes. And that is the bottom line. And, and, and there's, no, there's no getting past that at this point. We can't get past that. Nope. No, we can't. And that's the problem right now. I mean, you know, it's already over with. What's the next, uh, you know, what, what's the next line of uh, problems are we going to have with U.S. soccer next? What's going to be next, Cardick? Who's going to be the next head coach? The truth is, who wants to be the next head coach? Are they going to take a yes man or a yes woman? Or is uh, Cindy Parlo Cohn going to take a coaching license and do it herself? I don't know. Someone's <laughs> going to have to take over the snap team. And the question is, in reality, yeah, it's a, isn't that a great? I mean, I know it's funny, but I mean, think about it. Just, just, just have a sense of worry here, Cardick, because who internationally, you know, maybe they'll be on the outside looking in through the window. Do they really want this job now? Do they really want to be a part of U.S. soccer? Are they going to be the next one, the next lackey? Are they going to be the ones upset because how dare we ask them a serious question? And then they're going to have a blow up and then the next reporter's credentials will be yanked. You know, what's going on here? You know, it's easy. It's easy to put on a show. But when the comments and the reviews are not that great, you're going to get a lot of angry producers calling you up saying, what the hell is wrong with you? Listen. If you want me to pretend it smells like roses when it's actually a turd, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. You're not going to do that. We are not going to do that. Because they can't hide from this anymore. There's a problem. And they got to fix it. Yeah. And whether yep, – I mean, I mean if they get lucky enough that they find the magic uh, – you know, they find the rainbow and at the other end of that rainbow is that pot of gold and they can find that magic again. Well, look, they're the luckiest uh, son of a you-know-what's yeah, uh, on it, this it, world. It, I, mean, I, I mean, I guess in theory it could happen, but I, I think that people need to be prepared that this uh, – those who are saying that this is a one-off bad tournament uh, – and we were fine in the Olympics, which we weren't. We lost 3-0 in Sweden. But there are people making defenses uh, and, and uh, uh, saying we have the best young talent in the world. Keep, you keep saying that stuff to yourself, okay? That makes you feel better. But uh, I, I'm telling those people that uh, they are wrong, and this has been coming for a long time. And uh, 
and I, I, unless there is a major attitude shift and uh, there is the, a difference in how the youth game is handled in this country, both on the men's and women's side, right? These are problems we've had on the men's side for 20 years that have honestly been there on the women's side for about a decade, but because we were so far ahead of everyone um, and we had a generation of players that had come up a different way, right? We, we, you talk about Carly Lloyd. Uh, she has a completely different background than the way you would come up now. Alex Morgan actually does too, right? She played AYSO. She played college soccer. Um, she, she was in a rec program. She wasn't, uh, her parents didn't have to drive her halfway across uh, uh, the state of California and pay $50,000 a year for her, for her soccer education. So um, it, it's different now. And um, the profit motive was introduced into this sport at the youth level on the men's side first, and then more recently on the women's side. And it's destroying our ability to develop players. It's not an accident that on the men's team we've naturalized, or, or, uh, or I shouldn't say naturalized, a lot of them were dual citizens, but we have taken however many foreign-born players who were reared in systems, um, Robinson, Musse, um, uh, uh, help me out here, Deaths, I mean, so many others that have come up, uh, Carter Vickers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So many guys, Balogwen, uh, you know, came up, came up also through England. You know, so many guys that have grown up abroad because they haven't had to be uh, sucked into this pay-to-play system in this country. That's why we have so many guys now, uh, and Greg Verhalter has continuously looked for dual nationals, because uh, Verhalter, um, he won't say anything, but deep down inside, he knows the, the, the rot in the system. Um, and the easiest way to get around that is to get guys like, uh, uh, and take shots on guys like, uh, like P-Folk and, and Tyler Boyd, who may not work out also. I mean, we've got so many dual nationals now on our national team on the men's side because of this problem in youth soccer. And on the women's side, as I said, it's seeped in, and um, we've got a, a really hard rebuilding job coming, and I hope people are prepared. Uh, the next Olympics is next year. It's going to be rough. Um, I think we'll get out of the group like we did in the World Cup, and, and then, you know, anything can happen from there. We, 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 chances are we'll be out in the first knockout stage um, match in the, in the quarterfinals. And, and it's going to be hard in, uh, uh, in, in 2027. I mean, obviously we'll qualify but then it could be like this World Cup again. So um, it's a new day, right? Things are going to be a lot harder for us. Yes, it will be. And uh, if I was Burhalter, I should have taken the job at Club America. That's all I can say about that. Uh, once again, Carter Krishnar from World Soccer Talk joining me as well uh, on the U.S. women's national team situation. Vlatko Andonovsky uh, steps down as head coach of the women's team. Kate Markgraf also steps down as the general manager of the U.S. Women's National Team. Kardec, as always, thank you for joining me tonight, and I'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, thank you, Daniel. All right, and uh, now time to review the Red Bulls' victory. Back in MLS play with a 1-0 victory over their hated arch-rivals, D.C. United. What a goal by John Tolkien as he bent that lovely ball inside the far post, went short side along the far side of the field, and it bounced right in front of Tyler Miller and beat him to that post and 1-0 late in the 88th minute. Truth of the matter is this. I thought it was a horrible game. I thought they did not play well in the first half. Yeah, they made some strong runs in the second half, but still, though, it just wasn't enough there in my mind to say the Red Bulls were dangerous enough. And unfortunately, oh, I should say, unfortunately for D.C. United, they got bit by the only goal of the match, 
late in regulation time. But still, though, um, give the rebels credit. They did not give up. But still, though, you're thinking they're going to drop two points. When is DC United going to convert a chance and steal all three? Because in reality, I thought they're going to at least drop points in this one. But they didn't. They get the win off of a great free kick goal by John Tolkien, just a couple of yards outside of the D.C. area and made it 1-0 late in the 88th minute. But as I've said already, as I've said already, folks, they're just getting back into the swing of things. Now they got to worry about Inter-Miami and Lionel Messi coming this coming Saturday at Red Bull Arena. And expect a full stadium, expect a full arena, mostly filled with messy lovers. My hope is no one is going to run on the pitch and try and grab his uh, attention for an autograph to their messy jerseys or take a picture with them. This is an official league match. This is not a friendly. And I hope that they will uh, behave themselves, obviously. It's going to be a filled, packed arena, without a doubt. And... uh, all I can say is, is this, if you are a Red Bulls season ticket holder, or if you are a Red Bulls fan that, do ha- that, that did purchase tickets for this match before or even after Messi transferred over here, if you are a supporter of the club, do not sell your ticket. You have every right to watch that man play on that pitch as much as the next Messi lover will. And I know the secondary ticket market, whether it be through StubHub or Ticketmaster, wherever, Ticket Exchange through Ticketmaster, whatever it is, is going for the highest bidder. Don't go there. Don't do it. You go and watch that match. You bought that ticket. It's yours fair and square. Go to Red Bull Arena. Support the Red Bulls. If you are a Messi fan and you still support the Red Bulls, I understand. Look, you're seeing two things at the same time. But if you are a Red Bull supporter, like I know you are, you will support that club, win, lose, or draw. It should not matter. Go out there and support your hometown club. I love watching Messi myself. He is a wonderful person. He is a wonderful player. And I respect him tremendously. But he's in Major League Soccer now. He is no longer a favorite. He is now an opponent. It does not matter who is on Miami, whether you supported Barcelona, Argentina, PSG. He's not wearing the red kit of the New York Red Bulls. He's wearing the pink kit of Inter-Miami. Unfortunately, for the first time ever, as much as you love Messi, if you are a fan of his, but you are also a fan of the New York Red Bulls, you have to support your club and you're going to have to treat him as the enemy. You have no choice. This is the one game this year that you're just going to have to go against them whether you like it or not that's what it has to be 
And once this game is over, once these 90 minutes are over with, whether the result goes in favor or against the Red Bulls, you can love Messi again. But just remember where your real heart is. Your real heart is for your hometown club that plays at Red Bull Arena in Harrison, New Jersey, that represents the New York City tri-state area, period. That's all I am saying about that. But before he comes to Red Bull Arena on Saturday, he has to play FC Cincinnati in his first ever U.S. Open Cup match in the semifinals. And it's going to be spectacular. And that will be seen once again at 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Pacific, live. CBS Sports Galazzo Network, Paramount Plus app, Telemundo, and the Peacock app through NBC. It's going to be exciting and a lot of fun. And I know I cannot wait this coming Wednesday night. I want to thank my guests tonight, from both from World Soccer Talk, Robert Hay and Carter Krishnayer. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Join me this coming Friday night for my U.S. Open Cup semifinal review show. Once again, thank you for listening to my show tonight. Thank you for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care so long and bye-bye for now.